0: It's time for the unofficial 40, Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher, Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner recruiting. the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers, Gary Murdoch, and Josh McQuistion, Eddie Redosevich.
1: All right, we are back, back and at it better than ever. Uh, It is the unofficial 40. Josh McQuistion, Eddie Radosovich, Gary Murdoch all coming to you live. Well, when you're listening to this, it won't be live because it's a podcast, but uh, we are back and at it as... uh, We've all been kind of bums lately, and uh, I'm probably the lead bum. I think the family came in for 4th of July, stayed a few days. How does my house smell? Do you you smell the cooking smells, Eddie, when you walked in the door? This is 100% the cleanest
2: I've (laughs) ever seen your house.
0: It looks
1: good. Well, my parents are here, so I had to throw, as you can see, I had to throw all the crap in the office. Yeah.
2: what what closet do I need to open and everything just comes piling out? There of is it? one. Yes, <laughs> there is one of those. I've done that. Uh, Josh has uh, been out on vacation as well, and uh, he
1: is now back. Josh, welcome back.
0: You know, glad to glad to be back. You know, it, it was the probably the worst vacation ever. I um... really. Did well, not like as in I didn't enjoy what I was doing, but like not a very sexy vacation. I have been retiling my bathroom for the mm. better part of about four months and am now reaching completion, and that was a big part of last week, and then also power wash the driveway, so really a sexy vacation for Josh
1: a productive one though
0: for sure, for sure yeah i I don't sit still very well i don't I don't do that so well,
1: yeah, I had to take up cooking during my yeah. vacation which i i'm 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 not afraid to say i'm pretty good at it
0: it looked good carry uh, so you know y- you got into the you know y- you need to be on the, the food network uploading your pictures but uh, it looks strong
1: i wonder if we could get like the ou staff to do like a master chef
2: <laughs> like who do you think would be the best cook on the ou staff carry cooks yeah, he, he well, he's been in videos, barbecue. Yeah, he always puts out videos that he's barbecuing and stuff and it looks good. But really I wonder good. if you put him in the kitchen, like, you know, when he's got a, you know. Although I will chop say,
1: onions I, and garlic and
2: I saw some some ribs that Lincoln Riley put out.
1: Uh Oh, yeah, that's right. No, he, and someone on the staff that Adam said that he should be on All right, I think they tagged Bobby Flay and they told me that they were so good he should be on MasterChef.
2: I could see that. I could see that. I bet uh, when you grow up in Muleshoe, you know how to barbecue a little bit. I should ask him about barbecuing at Big 12 Media Days. Because <laughs> we're going to
1: have an hour to ask him about something. By the way, uh, it's, like it's uh, there should be like a heavenly light shining. Big 12 Media Days coming up on Monday. We will be down there. Uh, OU goes on Monday, so you won't have to wait around to read stupid stories about Texas and Baylor. Just your OU will be, bam, right in your face. Lincoln Riley... Answering all the questions about are you going to destroy OU football, I'm sure.
2: It will be very interesting, too, just in the VAT. OU hasn't been on the first day of the last couple of years. It seems like all the focus will be on OU because I think they're with who? Kansas Tech. That's a
1: terrible day. It's
2: a really bad day. With OSU and Iowa Texas State, on Tuesday. Iowa State,
1: Kansas. Yeah, and then the bigger day for, for just news will probably be that Tuesday, yeah. Because you have Tom Herman in there, Mike Gundy, who apparently has cut off the mullet. So sad.
2: I is there is there photo evidence of this yet? Yeah, I think Ryan McGee from ESPN tweeted a picture. He must have been shooting some promos or something with ESPN uh, the last couple days because he sent out a tweet with a picture, and it, it definitely was cut a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was still there, but it was definitely trimmed. Uh, you know, by the way, for you guys that have to be there, with the way the Stoops-Riley thing, with how quickly it happened, you know, there was no time for national media to really get on site for that press conference. How long do you think you all will have to wade through crap that you already have asked and answered with Lincoln Riley before you guys get to get to a question that it ha- that will actually break some new ground? I'm gonna say this though,
1: I when he's in his is when he's up on the dais or whatever you want to call it, the podium when he's in the big room. Well, there is it's all a bigger. This is so stupid. They're having it on the field of the star, like inside. It's just like, just do it.
2: No. Really? Yeah, yeah, this
1: is just as dumb as the SEC saying they want to have their media days in Dallas in the future.
2: I I told Carrie when we were talking about it and how it's all set up this year. It's going to be one of those deals where they're going to have, you're going to see so much social media from the Big 12 with like the stage and like trying to really build it up into something that it really isn't. And, you know, hopefully they just get the names right. Hopefully they aren't tagging Zach Crabtree with uh, Oklahoma anymore. Like they did in the Big 12 uh, first team. Yeah, I saw that.
0: It's ridiculous. To be fair, I thought Zach Crabtree should have had an OU offer way back in the day. So, you know (laughs) I mean? Hey, we want to get into that.
1: No, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be a a little bit different. It's it's in Frisco. It's not at the Omni. Uh, We were supposed to have a hotel. They have an Omni that they're building right next to the star, the the practice facility, the new Cowboys practice facility. But – as everyone could tell you, it wasn't ready in time. I mean, you could tell that thing wasn't going
2: to be ready two months ago. So it's not just the Big 12 people. Like, it's not even open. There's nobody staying in it. No, I tried to book a room just to see if I could. And there's, they're and not it, even accepting. It, they're not
1: even accepting reservations. That's, that makes, makes sense.
2: It makes Although sense I that the Big try. 12 would move to the Frisco this year and the hotel's not ready for them. Yeah.
1: It was, it was perfect where it was. It, was, it really right, was right downtown. You could go eat
2: anywhere you wanted.
1: Well, and you the, could Uber anywhere you wanted to for real cheap.
2: Just the setup of it all, but too. But, I mean,
1: that part of Frisco is fantastic. I mean, yeah. they've got a they've got a Shake Shack right there.
2: That's, that is true.
1: So, uh, just, yeah. Every, I mean, Scotty P's, one of my favorite burger joints. I even like Jake's. Jake's is pretty good. Jake's is really good. I like Jake's. And then In-N-Out's. And they, Frisco has In-N-Out's, too.
2: Jake's is usually on my OU Texas Stop is it sometime at some point You go
1: to the uptown jakes they have ridiculously hot girls yeah i think that's the one that we go to actually it's over there by the, the soccer stadium yeah kind of yeah no,
2: no no we go to the other one i think there's one over off of uh um, i don't i don't remember what the street is i just know how to get there <laughs> okay it's on a side street
1: well that is coming up the big 12 uh announced the media all big 12 preseason team baker mayfield was the offensive player of the year he was not how like I don't I don't guys I don't know how you feel about this but I don't think it's the it's not a huge slap in the face that he wasn't unanimous when you've got a another quarterback in the league uh, like Mason Rudolph. No, not at all. I, <laughs> I, and, you know, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but you know, anybody in the media can vote. Yeah, you know, they they send everyone a nomination list or a, a ballot. So I didn't feel my I never feel mine out. I just I just don't. I'm one of those perfectionist guys like. I don't get enough time to like Jake Trotter would be a guy that like that that I would trust his vote because he covers the entire Big Twelve now for ESPN, so he knows the best players on each team. Like I really would have to do a lot of research to feel comfortable submitting a ballot, uh, but I'm sure there are people that are just like, "Oh, I'm going to put all the OU guys on here. I'm going to put all the OSU guys on here." So I mean, I bet Robert Allen probably voted for Mason Rudolph, and and it, it wouldn't be. The, it's, it's not a criminal vote to do that. I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, uh, the Jake Ertz guy. If you, if you voted for him, then you shouldn't be in the media. I mean, is it Jake Ertz, the quarterback at K-State? K-State, yeah. Yeah, or, or Kenny Hill. Like, if you vote for those guys, you should not be allowed to vote for
2: that. anymore. <laughs> and there probably were some people that did just because it's like they can't Bring themselves to vote for anybody else, or, or Shane Bouchel.
1: If you're a Texas media person, you voted for Shane Bouchelle. No, you shouldn't be able to vote anymore.
2: I wish that I think at the Big Twelve media days they'll actually have it all broken down, won't they? They'll send out like a a thing that shows how many votes each kid got. It seems like they do that for the um, the team. The team, but and that not comes out tomorrow. The uh, players, yeah. Thursday morning that yeah. comes out.
0: You it, know that we always talk about like this is why you kind of have to be a pro in the media. You know there are like there are people out there would have been like Parnell Motley, first team corner. Did you see him in the spring game? He was amazing. <laughs> Kyler Murray, second team quarterback. Did you did you watch him in the spring game? Like that, that that's the stuff. Like that's and I don't think the Mason Rudolph things his slide. He's a lot better player than I think he gets credit for, especially amongst OU fans, because he's thrown out some dog games against OU. He really yeah, has. He has. But if you watch his body of work, he's a really really good player. There's no question.
1: He, I mean, just I look at it this way: Who's going to get drafted higher? I, I, I don't think you can sit there and say that Baker Mayfield is definitely going to be drafted higher than Mason
0: Rudolph. Oh, there's no question; Rudolph will go higher than yeah. Baker Mayfield. I, I guarantee it. Just because of size, I mean. Yep, I mean, yeah, it's not Baker's. Baker's a better football player. There, uh, to me, there's no a question. Better college football player, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's what we always talk about with like. Josh, he ran for 2,500 yards. He's got to be a great prospect. No, being a prospect and being a player are not exactly the same thing. I know that seems counterintuitive, but it's the same thing in the the guys we watch going to OU and the guys going from OU to the NFL. Being a great player is not the same thing. Every year, Jinx has
1: a college kid that's a D1 guy, where Tulsa Union will have another guy that probably produces more, makes more tackles. Uh, runs for more yardage, something like that, and everybody will say, "Well, why isn't he as highly recruited?" Because he—it's just hard to explain that people have ceilings, and other people have higher ceilings. It's—it's it's just yep. the way evaluating football players works. You don't spend millions of dollars on a Honda that is souped up that can out like I like Street Outlaws, but the Asian's little Beetle that that beats all the cars is not worth a million dollars even though it outperforms uh ferraris and lamborghinis and chargers and all that i mean it beats everything but his car is not worth more than those cars he's beating
2: that's a uh that's a fantastic there's- analogy do you watch street outlaws i watch it every once in a while and and it's mostly just because i want to know how many of those guys like are either a on the board because i i have to think that there's at least I've one I never
1: of really shared my street outlaw Street Outlaws Love on it's, the board.
2: It's interesting, and it's just yeah, funny that... And
1: it's weird, because like P. Ryan's appeared in episodes, and he's like a has real... he really? Oh, yeah, he's been in an episode. He came out... Uh, he, Asian called out this uh, local tuning shop. I don't know yeah. who they were. And so they come out there, and they never mention him by name. But Samaj P. Ryan piles out of the back seat.
2: That's hilarious.
1: Uh, and they don't ever say his name, and they don't they don't say, "Oh, this is Samaj P. Ryan." Yeah. He's just standing there. Like you wouldn't, if you didn't know who Samaj P. Ryan was, you just think it was some black dude that was with some really huge black dude that was with them.
2: That's really funny. I I I probably would watch any show that has Oklahoma City in it, just because I like watching. Like I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I, know where I that will is. admit, I've watched some of the Sweet Home Housewives, Oklahoma." Yeah, yeah. Me. I know the I know the people. You know those people? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't I can't say that I'm friends with them or anything. Oh, okay. They, uh they are uh, You know they're, everybody They're friends Eddie. with friends. Eddie knows everybody. And I've
0: watched it. I have watched it. Eddie's the rare extrovert that still hates everyone.
1: Eddie has like, backdoored his way into uh Paul George's uh press conference tonight.
2: Yep, I'm going to I'm I'm going to wear the Okie tux, jeans, boots and a uh, blazer. We're going to go mix it up with the the rich people tonight.
1: I've seen the Okie Tucks a lot.
2: you got to bring it out. Usually in special New Orleans. Events, special events. New yeah. Year's, New Orleans, absolutely. Friday strong night movie. OU, Texas. I, it's, Friday it's night OU, Texas. It's a very good look, strong. I'm not going to lie. Very strong. You pull it off well. It's going to be very hot tonight, though.
1: Did you get a new Sam Bradford hat?
2: No, this, this is year? from the Fields and Futures tournament I played in. I did play in Sam's tournament on Monday, though. And you saw Bob? Bob was there. He was, he was alive and well. He got sec I think his team got second. They beat my team by, uh, like, two strokes. You would have cheated more if you only knew you needed to. We played so well. We were 18-under uh, going into 17, and uh, out at Oak Tree National, I would take that every day of the week. And uh, they won. He's obviously been playing a lot of golf, though. He looked good off the tee.
1: And uh, he's had something funny to tell you?
2: Yeah. They won. He won, like, a trophy and everything, and I... I mentioned to him as I was uh, double fisting uh, (laughs) club specials, I I said, you're taking all the hardware home, Bob. And he said, uh, they told me I was done winning trophies. (laughs) I said, I said, touche. And I went back out and played another nine.
1: Well, good times. Good for you. Um, it It was fun. Eddie's been able to do some golfing. I've been able to cook. Josh has been able to tile. So unfortunately, it's time to get back to work, and it all starts on Monday. <laughs> you
2: know what would be really funny as if somebody at uh, Big 12 Media Days just acts like Bob Stoops is still the head coach, and like uh, with uh, Bob not here, how do you foresee uh, taking over the team this year? And uh, once he gets back to coaching at the end of the uh, at the end of his suspension, <laughs> oh, like do it
1: like do it like this is some secret like, yeah, black like, ops, like, like he's an interim suspension. or something, like
2: he's an interim coach or. Uh, even like just referred him as Bob don't even act like you know who Bob Stoops is
1: or just just call him interim coach Riley
2: <laughs> how does it feel taking over for Bob for the first four games and do you expect him back with Amani Bledsoe
1: <laughs> oh god yeah we've got to find out about Amani Bledsoe don't we or people are going to
2: die it's it's like the it's I'm trying to think of what the big thing has been the last couple years but it's taken the place of that uh, maybe like Riley is he going to run the ball with P. Ryan and Mixon, that's what this has turned into.
1: I I just, I mean, I know that Calvin Thibodeau said something about, you know, him coming back earlier, but no one officially has... I think what they believe is that he's going to be able to, but it's not official yet.
2: And I think the biggest part about it, the, like, misconception or just the confusion about it has been the fact that OU never officially publicly said anything about it and they were so guarded on it well and that's going to be what's interesting
1: about riley is how he's gotten on stuff. top of stuff i yeah. mean just like the will sunderland stuff yeah um and it was the uh who was it that they wanted they they contacted me to say hey make sure you get this out there that this kid's no longer on the team who was that
2: uh dahu green
1: yeah dahu green yeah and all i kept thinking is oh crap I go check the
2: police blotter now. I don't think his name ever came up or anything. That was just an odd. That was that was the first like that was like a day after they officially, or two days after Riley, Riley officially been named the head coach. And yeah, they like, didn't
1: want another Parish Cobb thing blowing up in their face. Yeah,
2: but I don't think anything ever like came out on that, did it? No. I I mean I I really don't know if he ever got in trouble or anything. So no, it was just more of a housekeeping deal.
1: Yeah. Uh. Okay. So Big Twelve team announced today. Uh, you had Baker. Obviously, Baker's going to be first team. Orlando Brown was a unanimous selection. Uh, Mark Andrews was on there as a tight end. And then, I, I'll i be honest, I expected to see at least one more name on defense. But, uh, by the way, before I mention that, Ray Guy Award watch list came out. Eddie, do you want to give us the news on that?
2: Austin Seibert. Oh, you said it right. Austin Seibert. Congratulations on uh, becoming a uh, Ray guy uh, watch list. Yes. It's like if you, if you participate in a uh, sport in your position and you're not on a watch list right now, you've, you've done something yeah. really bad. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're really extensive.
1: But on defense, Obo Coronkwo, uh, he makes the list. He should make the list. I, I imagine he probably got a, a number of votes for Big 12 defensive player of the year. Uh, and then who am I? Oh, Jordan Thomas is the other one. So no Stephen Parker, which he is not a guy that really has been embraced by the, either the coaches or the media. Uh, I think he was even honorable mention last year, postseason.
2: I think that's right.
1: Which shocked me a little bit. Yeah. And but West I- Virginia has really good safeties. TCU's got good safeties. Apparently Kansas <laughs> has the best linebacker.
2: Defensive lineman. Or defensive lineman. Dorrance Armstrong. He's he's the guy that you've talked about a little bit, Josh, and that he was the guy that was recruited by uh, Calvin Thibodeau or he at least kind of identified him and then they made a move on him to offer him and then Houston get him into get, Lawrence. Right?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's a kid out of Houston Westfield. Um, uh, not not Westfield, uh, North Shore. North Shore, same school as uh, Caleb on Chishon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a guy that, you know, I mean, he had some decent offers, but Kansas really went after him hard and, you know, he's one of those guys that, Thibodeau only got to coach for that one year at Kansas but you have to give him credit because I mean he's he's an NFL guy and you don't say that very often at Kansas so I you know look you guys talked about Stephen Parker and I know I, I think I've been tougher on him maybe than he but I I don't I don't think he had a great year last year like I thought he I really expected him to go to a different level now I know he was hurt so that that definitely plays a role in it but I mean, but that what secondary moment of,
1: was a mess. I mean, it was yeah. a disaster. They didn't have an interception until the fourth game of the season, which was Stephen Parker that made the first interception yeah. last year.
0: And what moment of last year do you think of with like Stephen Parker? You were like, that's ah, you know, like you can think to his sophomore year, the TCU play. That's an incredible play. Really, kind of put him on uh, as a big time Big Twelve player. But last year, I mean, what what moment of Stephen Parker's really stands out to you?
1: He was solid. I mean, that's about the best you can yeah. say
0: for him. Yeah. Which, I he's, mean, it's he's the big where, 12 and DBs. Are. He's way
1: up on the list in tackles, which you should be for a safety. Uh, you know, Jordan Thomas had like 17 pass breakups last year, which makes me wonder, it, was that the first year that OU has ever really paid attention and tracked pass breakups correctly? Because it was so many. Uh, and, and Steven Parker, I mean, he's... What's really strange is, you know, with everything that's going on with Will Sunderland, like, they won't move Stephen Parker. They are hell-bent on keeping Stephen Parker where he is. Like, they don't want to move him. I guess they just feel like it'll screw up the defense, or they won't be as good on defense if he's not where he is. So there's, I mean, what I'm saying is they obviously value him greatly to not even want to rearrange things.
0: Oh sure. I mean, he's one of the few guys in that secondary that provides them any consistency. For everything that Jordan Thomas can be, Stephen Parker is the exact. I mean, they are the exact opposite players. Jordan Thomas had one of the best first half she'll ever see against Texas as a corner yeah. and then had one of the worst second half she'll ever see. Like I don't I can't always put him together as a player. It doesn't make any sense how different he can be from series to series and snap to snap.
1: I almost put part of that. I mean, the fact that Shane Bouchel is throwing balls 50 yards downfield in one-on-ones over and over and over again. I mean, that's the one thing I can say about Shane Bouchel. He throws a hell of a deep ball. Like, he might be the best deep ball thrower in the conference. But that's really all he can do. So I don't understand how he's going to run Tom Herman's offense.
0: Oh... That's you know, people think like, oh, you know, you're down on Herman. I think Herman can coach, but when you look at that schedule and you look at how at the quarterbacks he's had that best run his offense, they are completely opposite of Shane Bouchel. It doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. So I, I I think seven and five is hopeful for Texas. I would agree.
1: And they lead <laughs> they lead the league in all Big Twelve selections.
2: Gosh, I didn't even realize that.
1: They have 3 on defense and two of them are the, their entire defensive tackles. Here's the here's the real question.
2: Oh, they have, oh yeah, cuz Michael Dixon's punter.
1: Is uh, a punter. Uh here's the real question is Malik Jefferson the most overrated player in the league? Cuz as 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 much as he was just a complete stud in high
2: school, he's even been he's even been benched. He had a I'd, I'd say he had a he had a better freshman year than a sophomore year. Yeah. that's for sure.
0: That's exactly. I I thought as a freshman he was right where he was supposed to be. He was on the right trajectory, and then as a sophomore, I don't know what happened. I mean, but it was you're right. He got benched. I mean, he was he was bad. But I mean, Malik's kind of like Caleb Kelly. Like if you're gonna ask me, I'm a bet on Malik. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that dude has a ton of talent. And you look at the linebacking group in in, in the Big Twelve, and I, I'll go with Malik Jefferson. But you're right; like so far, it's not lived up. It'd be like if Caleb Kelly went out this year and had about 45 tackles, got benched, and I had almost you know no sacks. Just was kind of a non-factor. It wouldn't make any sense. And that's where Malik was last year. He's gonna have to he's gonna have to figure it out this year because I'm sure he's a guy that's thinking about going pro after this year if things go right. With all the hype and buzz that surrounds him,
2: pretty wild. He had uh, he had 61 tackles as a freshman. He had 62 tackles as a sophomore.
0: As a middle linebacker, you
1: should you should have 90 to 100. It's
2: uh, it'll be interesting too. If I mean, if you want to relate this back to OU, just how far, as far as Caleb Kelly. I mean, how do you stay away from having almost a sophomore slump? I mean, is that what we want to call it for Malik Jefferson? Yeah,
1: you know, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about. What OU is going to do with Caleb Kelly and really Obokoronko too? Just because it's it's very confusing where people play right now, and they're going to have to do something to try and keep Caleb Kelly on the field in third and long situations. And it's not going; he's not going to be able to stay at that wheel spot when it's third and long. You're gonna have to. Drill him down onto the defensive line. I—that's my assumption. Because I just don't think. I mean, you're better as a defense. It's—it's obvious from the way last year finished. You're better as a defense with Caleb Kelly on the field, markedly better. But to not to be to have to take him off the field and third down—that's just disastrous. So. Whether he has a be, you know sophomore slump or not, I think it really depends on can he be a down lineman on third down? Can he be a pass rusher?
2: I don't know if he can. I I think he can. I think he has the ability to. But you know, it's it's, it's I think it's right a lot now, easier yeah, I than guess you saying say it.
1: right now. I don't think that he's a better option than DJ Ward on that that right edge.
2: I. If you had to give me the two options, I might go with Caleb Kelly, but that's a pretty blind assumption. Just in that yeah. I don't really, you don't really know what to expect with uh, Caleb Kelly. I like what I saw
1: of DJ Ward in the spring. Other than he- having to go to the hospital,
2: yeah, I, his I, that his, was my Eddie moment. His deal is just kind of keeping himself healthy. I think. I mean, DJ Ward for the last what almost going back to high school has it's always been something. Something or another. I the mean, whether it proves be...
1: it, man. Once you have that spleen removed, it's hard to come back from it.
2: Is that what it is?
1: No, I think the Predator actually ripped out the spine.
0: Ooh. You could play with that That would be tough to come back from. Yeah. <laughs> He'd just playing spineless. <laughs> Literally an amoeba defense. Wow. But oh, yeah. yeah. Now you know, my problem with the ward thing is like Two years ago, D.J. Ward, yeah, as a 4-3 defensive end, he makes sense. But they jacked him up so he could play in that three-man front. I mean, not like – I don't mean like they messed him up. I just mean like they got him so big. He's a big dude. That, him I steroids. don't know that he's that explosive edge rusher that you need in that 4-3, especially in a third-down situation where you want him lining up at least as a seven. He's going to be real wide and trying to come off the corner. I, is that D.J.'s game anymore? I, I mean, maybe – Maybe, maybe he can get back to being that guy, but that's they've his body will have fluctuated a lot in the last in, in a couple of years. Is DJ Ward the new Dakota Austin? How so?
1: Like the guy that you've just penciled in as your starter that may not be able to do it,
2: just because a lack <laughs> and, of everybody might just else kill
1: your defense.
2: I I think the you can pick on a cornerback a lot more than you can pick on somebody
0: inside, right? Yeah, DJ will be solid against the run. Like he's not gonna like kill you, but he's not gonna be a playmaker. Dakota Austin, like that, you were gonna uh, the opposing offense was gonna put their playmaker opposite of him and let think let bad things happen to your defense. Like DJ Ward, like they're not gonna take advantage of him. They're not gonna roll to him. I mean, he's a solid college football player. Dakota Austin, that <laughs> he's always been a nice kid, but that that was just a. A, a a bad bad situation just waiting to happen last year.
2: Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but when you look back at a, a kid's excellent performances and they come against Kansas and Iowa State, maybe that's uh, the reality it check was that was needed. Was Texas Tech that he played
1: well? Was it Tech that he played well? Because it was I think Sanchez like turned his ankle like the first play of the game. Yeah, he came in. I think he had a pick in the end zone in that
0: game. Well,
2: that's Tech. That's Tech for you.
0: That quarterback well, was drafted the, number ten. I oh. talked about it in some of the Monday morning stuff that year after those games. I would like if you go back and look. Yeah, he had some moments, but he also had some moments where he got beaten and the other team. I I can't remember which game it was that really sticks out, but I remember going over and over and over it with the tape. It was clear he'd been beaten, and the quarterback just didn't see the receiver. Yeah, yeah. like it, it was one of those things where. Okay, it all looks great on the stat line, but the bottom line is there were some real problems there that a good quarterback would have taken advantage of. Well,
1: and that's the thing in the Big 12. You've seen it. Like, Baylor d- did that to everybody. Like, if they found a weakness, they exploited it. They, I mean, remember the Julian Wilson deal? Uh, oh. Just exploited that down the field. Uh, OU's done. I mean, everybody does it. I mean, James Washington does it, uh, and Mason Rudolph, they do it to teams. If they find a guy that can't cover they will wear out throwing the ball in his direction. That's everybody across the league. And really, everybody stopped and took a look at, at all that same film and said, we're going after this Dakota Austin guy. And they did. And when, he was, when, when the spotlight was there, nobody... That's why I was always like worried, like, okay, well, when's Jordan Parker going to flame out? Because people are going to stop and realize all of a sudden that going in, in Jordan Thomas' direction doesn't do you any good but it never really it never really happened he'd get challenged and he'd he'd stand up to the
0: challenge is there a more forgotten guy on that starting defense than jordan parker like i feel like it's all parnell motley all the time and i get it i mean he looked great in the spring but he played really well for a true freshman in a bad spot last year
2: no he was fantastic it will be very interesting i think that's probably one of the more underlying I guess storylines going into the actual season is you know i think a lot of people do have porno motley circled in at that cornerback spot just because of the spring and they do forget about jordan parker i would say jordan parker is the starter right oh yeah no doubt about it i don't have any doubts i mean i think a lot of people though people that, forgot because he was hurt i mean right.
1: he, he, what was that fractured his
2: uh it was his uh
1: like his heel or something wasn't yeah, it? yeah
2: it was uh i, for, I forgot what it, what it's called uh Because there Uh, was, they had another or something like that. Yeah, something like that. He he was around on crutches all all spring, and then on a scooter, and then on one of the boots. Uh,
1: Okay, so Big Twelve Media Day is coming up. Uh, Lincoln Riley's back in the offices, back to the Twitter game. Uh, Dead period is over. I know Josh is wanting to punch somebody right now, probably. (laughs) Uh, so, let's just get into it. Any commitments uh, you feel is there? Is there anything building toward another kind of week like the one before the dead period ended?
0: Well, if there was, oh, you'd almost be done. I mean, that's the yeah, kind that's of crazy true. thing. That run was just so unbelievable. But I do think it still, and it's the same guy we were talking about going into the dead period. Jaqueline Crawford from Rockdale. I finally had a chance to talk with him, went to the Texas State 7-on-7. Seven seven, and I, I don't think there's any question that Oklahoma's going to be the choice here. It's just a matter of when he announces. I've even talked to someone today that would told me it would be this week. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes because it's it's been imminent several times and then it didn't actually end up happening. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I think he's definitely the guy to watch. When I had a chance to see him um, – you know for those that don't know uh, kind of a wide receiver corner type from um, from central texas and crawford is a really explosive guy on tape you see it i mean he's a 10 meter kind of guy but the thing that surprised me he's a lot bigger than i expected him to be i thought he was going to be in that five nine five ten real slot kind of guy range He's more like five eleven and some change. I mean, he he'd stand up next to Sterling Shepard with no problem. So I, I think that kind of paints a picture for you. And he's he's a guy that Lincoln Riley has put a lot of time into. He's clearly a guy that OU wants badly, and uh, I think they'll land a commitment now. He's a guy that has a lot of Texas people around him. I think you'll have to kind of see what happens with UT if they you know decide that they can take him a receiver right now. They want him at DB. So if that doesn't change, I think Oklahoma will be fine. But if they de- decide, we want to recruit you as a wide receiver and we're going to take you as a wide receiver, then things might get a little interesting kind of down the stretch because Rockdale, it's, it's just not that far from Austin. And like I said, a lot of his family has a lot of Texas connections.
1: You know, I mean, what is interesting, like you said, I said, we talked about Texas not really knowing how they're going to work. If they do have a seven and five type season, and A and M continues to struggle, are is there a possibility that OU is ready to find some type of a renaissance in Texas that maybe we've never seen, other than little glimpses of getting a Tommy Harris here and there and, and Adrian Peterson?
0: I think there's a chance, but it's more about the circumstances. Uh, At other places, then I think OU is so well placed to do something, because when you look at Oklahoma staff, it's not a group that is just entrenched in Texas recruiting. And, you know, Dennis Simmons got a lot of California ties. I mean, it's it's not that they don't have connections to Texas. OU is not stupid. They've got plenty of guys on staff that know the state. But it's not like a bunch of Texas guys that are just, that's what they're known for is going into Dallas and getting recruiting wins or Houston or East Texas or wherever you want to talk about. So I don't know that it's going to be that. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, A&M is going to be, in all likelihood, going to be an upheaval in five months' time. I mean, I think we can all kind of see that coming. Um, with Texas – all these promises you're making are great in the summer, but when USC, you know, when they meet USC and Sam Darnold drops 400 on them, like that's oh. that he's gonna that's gonna be bad. I, I just I don't see any way that doesn't go really badly for Texas. By and, the way, Sam
1: Darnold might be your unathletic head champion. He's the he's the
0: total exception to the rule. Yeah. <sighs> It would have been sweet. Did you guys see the video of him with, on, the, um, on the boat throwing the pass to the guy on the wakeboard or whatever? Yes. That, see, it would have, he would be complete exception if he would have been the dude making the catch. He needed to make the catch to really <laughs> sell me.
2: Those are, those are underlying sneaky best parts of summer. They, they, that has become it, I think. That's the part of summer that we don't get to,
0: we're too
1: old to enjoy now.
0: I'd go to the lake.
1: Shirt
2: off? Yeah. Sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, I'm i much older than Eddie, and I have no shame in that. I mean, I started a Natty's for Patty campaign. I have
2: to go to a lake at some point.
1: I don't think I've had my shirt off in public in 25 years.
0: <laughs> 25 years? Yeah. Uh, I, Yeah, I'd, I'd do it. I, I have a daughter that loves to swim. I don't have any choice in this matter. This that's just something I got to get my mind around and go do it.
1: Actually, that's I can remember I can remember being in a pool now that you mentioned that.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: About 10 years ago. I could still do flips off the backboard. Right now? Then I could. I don't know oh. about now. I probably need a little bit a little bit more weight room work before I'd feel confident.
2: There's a will, there's a way. And there's always liquid liquid courage. That can uh, that can inhibit your decision making process.
0: We're looking at you, natural light.
2: We need a Sooner Scoop pool party sponsor and uh, <laughs> just let us know. I Slide bet you pull DMs. it off.
1: I don't know I'd be pretty pervy to go to, to to hold a Sooner Scoop pool party though.
2: No, it'd be pervy to hold a Sooner Scoop car wash like they do, like on um, Northwest Expressway, get a bunch of high school girls
0: to Yeah, that's pervy. (laughs) Well, we could make it super anti-pervy and do the dodgeball version. What's that? Us actually being the car wash people. (laughs) (laughs) I think I could tie
2: my shirt up into like a little bow. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not looking to wash anybody's cars. Mm
1: -mm. Mm-mm. Okay, so back on uh, track with recruiting, here's what I'm wondering. Like, You've already identified your 2020 quarterbacks that you're going after. At least of this, at least a number of them. Would you, if you're Lincoln Riley, would it be smart just to kind of keep dating there? Do you really want a commitment from a 2020 quarterback at this point?
0: I, I wouldn't think so. I think that's exactly right, Kerry. I think you want to wait, kind of see what happens. Because I mean, it's not even just about okay. We're we'll going to decide who we like of those guys. There's some kid that they've never heard of yet that's going to be a star. I yeah. mean, th- that's they've been just a the back way that up goes. at a big
1: school that doesn't have any film.
0: Yeah, like for for example, I know. Um, you know, we talked about seeing Trevor Lawrence at the five star. I know coming out of uh, the opening last week, there were some people talking about Justin Fields, a fellow Georgia quarterback, being now ahead of Trevor Lawrence, who is. Won two state titles. Won you know, uh, lost one game his entire high school career. Is kind of Mister Everything, and now there's people saying, "Well, maybe the other kid's better." And I mean that that's that's just kind of the example because there's always there's always somebody that you didn't see coming that emerges late, especially at quarterback where there's such a mental side to the game that I think sometimes can overcome, well, maybe that guy's not six foot five; he's 6'2", or whatever. So I, I think they're more than happy to be patient, kind of see what plays out. I don't think there's any question if I was going to peg the guy of their current offers that they're likely to land. It's the Drew Sanders kid that actually just transferred from Lake Dallas to um, Colleyville Heritage, which Lake Dallas, home of Dusty Dvorak, uh, Colleyville Heritage, the home of former quarterback signee Cody Thomas.
1: What's
2: the uh the Tebow, Cody Thomas home run uh, count? The at right last now? I the last I checked, it was I think as of last week it was fourteen to three or fourteen to four maybe.
1: He hit one when he got called up.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that was the fourth one, and he's on a yeah. current nine game hitting streak. Uh, Tebow is in high A's. Is he so, really? Yeah, uh, I, I well, believe he and it's Cody fourteen Thomas to four. Would
1: probably play against each other at some point, wouldn't they?
2: They might, and if they do, I might be making a road trip to uh, Great Lakes, Minnesota or uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Sit front row for that. Heckle, well, make some you know, I mean Heckle Tim Tebow for nine innings.
0: Tim's old enough to be, you know, the dad of half those guys in in high A. So yeah. that's
2: he's no it, it's,
0: it's like beer softball for him out there. I how bet, many
2: years has Sam been in the NFL now?
0: Eight. Wow.
2: I think yeah, I think eight. The the uh, it the I think the biggest number that we need to find out about Tim Tebow is how many players he's saved. While playing minor league baseball, it's not cool, Eddie. I'm just, i am just just—I—that's a personal. You know, I'm uh, Southern Baptist. Well, I, I know mean, you're Catholic. Let's, let's see how many people he's dipped into the holy waters. I know you don't understand our ways. Us
1: Protestants. <laughs> it's nothing to make fun of, Eddie. Disappointed <sighs> I'm in going you.
2: Going to hell, no, Eddie. That was already happening. You can buddy. just confess, and it'll that's, all be wiped away. I know. I—I I, that's what I'm going to go do uh, <laughs> next Wednesday. We'll make it this week. How often do you go to confession? Uh, confession. I don't think I've been in confession for 39 years, probably. Eight years. Ten years. So, Natty's for Patties. There's, There's nothing to be confessed to. there.
1: Yeah, because you can drink all you want, right? If yeah. you're Catholic, it's not a sin. No, not at all.
0: Is that one of your favorite aspects of the religion, Eddie? Uh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i don't i I, I don't think I'm, uh we can't talk religion I don't even know like i i'm I'm, I'm never going to go to one of these six Flags over Jesus churches that are in these you know shopping malls and stuff, so I don't know what is allowed or not allowed in modern day Oh churches. Like, yeah
2: like the uh like I' have a buddy that lives uh, in Houston, and he lives right next to the summit where uh, uh Joel Austin does his thing uh-huh just very very weird to me it's a personal thing i just think it's very weird the non-denominational stuff yeah i
1: like that crossings church in oklahoma city
2: yeah I, i i did some stuff not i didn't go but like we had youth group and stuff growing up that
1: place is kind of like more to uh, just appease people's parents for those of you this is more of a discussion this is not a discussion about religion as much as it is about just growing up and going to church in oklahoma and not being cat well there weren't catholics really in southwest oklahoma there were but they were usually spanish of you know i don't know mexico they were latino a lot, lot
2: of latino catholics in southwest yeah. oklahoma they uh at the church that I go to, that my parents go to, they have a Mexican mass on Saturday wow. nights. So, like, but I was always down because that's
1: where the dances were. Because the Baptists w- couldn't have dances. Yeah, that's true. It was not allowed. It's very true. But, like, no, it's like, when I go to the Crossings Church, I feel kind of like it's old school church that is kind of doing the Six Flags of Jesus a little bit.
2: Like, they got the monitors everywhere. That's your biggest red flag. If if you go into a church and you see more than, like, six big screens yeah. and a full band, it's like, yeah. I know what you guys are doing here. And you've always got the guys that are in the band that you could tell, like, couldn't get in a real band.
1: <laughs>
2: so they just play the church band? Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean.
1: So they just look like, nah, it, it, it's a little bit like... I imagine it's a little bit like being in a fraternity. Like there's certain guys that try to get into a fraternity, but they just can't.
2: We call those people GDIs. Yeah,
1: GDIs. Well, they call themselves, I guess, GDIs yeah. too. Yeah. If you, you do it out of
2: derision, they do it out of. Yeah, it is kind of a two way street, yes. isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know exactly the type of guy that you're talking about. That like just his main goal in life is to learn every Sonic Flood song that's possible. <laughs>
1: he's still he's still cranking audio adrenaline (laughs) did they become
2: like menudo because i didn't keep up did they just start changing the members of audio adrenaline i'm sure they did i i will say though i have been to a michael w smith concert at Uh, crossings church
1: i had some michael w smith albums back in the day if
2: you if you grew up in uh oklahoma city there in or my is my age like 30 28 27 30 Uh 31 there's a 100% chance that you probably went to a Michael W. Smith concert with FCA. Yeah. Who is that? There was another guy. Al Denson. Is that
1: right? Sounds right. I don't Might know. Might be a, a few letters off or something.
2: This is the weirdest podcast discussion <laughs> that we've ever had. Josh, I will ask you one thing. You know, Talking about the 2020-2019, uh, is this the maybe the biggest difference? And I, I know it, it's kind of... Old, Not old school, but just kind of repetitive to keep talking about the difference between Lincoln Riley era, even though he hasn't played a game in the Bob Stoops era. But just the focus on being able to go after 2020 kids, uh, actively recruiting 2019 while they're still working on 2018. Is that one of the bigger differences that you've seen here as the uh, the dead period has kind of restarted?
0: I think that's fair. And Kerry, Kerry can back me up on that. You would always hear for years, like, we don't want to recruit the next guys, because we don't want to run off the cur- excuse me, run off the current guys, and now there is none of that. And I think that's I don't think it's like revolutionary within college football, but it's just kind of coming to terms with what today's recruiting is, what commitments are. You know, yeah, okay, we've got this 2018 guy. We don't want to spook him. You know what? He's going to get spooked anyway. That guy's probably going to take a visit or two. You know, I mean, it's it's just the reality of what it is. So Oklahoma is just going to play it <laughs> kind of like a house of cards and keep moving pieces and keep recruiting. You know, I mean, there are people – somebody asked me the other day, is there a chance that Oklahoma could be done with their offensive line recruiting by, you know, August? And, yeah, there's a good chance, but I guarantee you that Bill Beanbo will continue to talk to five other offensive linemen mm-hmm. because he knows stuff can change, stuff will move around. And that, that's why I think it's not, it used to just be a few guys on the staff I thought did a very good job of always having kind of the next card ready to play, and I think now you're seeing the whole staff kind of embracing that and just saying we're going to recruit the best players in every class, and if we can find a guy that's better, then we'll move some parts around and make that work and, and just kind of letting it work out where it will. Because, you know, like last year, I thought Oklahoma took probably one more defensive lineman than they should have mm-hmm. just to kind of fill bodies. And now this year they look like they're in good shape with several guys that are better players and they can't take several of them because they got so worried about, well, we gotta, you know, we gotta have some bodies. We got we said we were going to get four in this class, so we gotta have four. You know, it just it didn't it didn't make sense to me then. And I think now you're starting to see, well, we're gonna strike while the iron's hot at whatever position we can take players at. Well, you just start processing people. I I don't I don't have any soul about that kind. Of, I mean, it sucks for the players. It does, but I never understand why you'd want to stay somewhere you're never going to play anyway. That we we talked about this with PJ and Bonasaur for two years. Like he was never going yeah, to play. Yeah, like we were league. surprised Go that home. he.
1: Yeah, we were surprised that he stuck around as long
2: as he did. Like I remember Eddie and I would have discussions <laughs> in the car about it. Like, yeah. why is he still here? It like, like see him at spring practice. Be like, is that PJ? What are you still doing here, man? <laughs> like, yeah, well, go somewhere would, where you can play. You're not gonna play here. Like, I feel like I would know when I'm not that. wanted.
0: It's not. Yeah, I think it's not just about like, oh, he's not playing. Yeah, every freshman that doesn't play should leave. There's a difference when you are competing for a job, and man, it's just not gonna work out here. You're, you're never either you don't fit what we want to do, or you're not quite on the level you thought we thought you were or you don't fit our ideals you know whatever it is you don't fit in here you're not going to be the right place go to somewhere that is why would you just sit the bench for 4 years i that i don't know i guess to me that says something about competitive level like you you're not you're never going to crest that mountain does it matter to you if it doesn't then what are you doing here anyway yeah
1: well, I yeah, and like with Imbanisor, you're like, okay, they cannot find a player to play a position on the field,
2: and you don't even get a shot. <laughs> they are literally running out of people
0: and moving people positions. They moved
1: a the guy from receiver because they couldn't find anybody to play corner, and you're still not in the discussion.
0: They started a freshman that came onto campus two months late. And had, a heart, had, a, and had a heart problem. Had a heart yeah. procedure. No, no, no. I'm talking about, about Parrish Cobb. Oh, that's true, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He might have had a heart procedure, too, but that was just because it was, it was a bad heart. No, no, heart. that's
0: just lack of soul. That's that, a okay, thing lack of
2: soul. Though. Yeah, that's good.
1: I'm trying to think of... Is it really soul? Just lack of morals, more or less.
2: He, uh... It's... There, there hasn't been any felony... Breaking, uh, breaking and Enterings.
1: By the way, you need to watch, if you haven't yet, are, are you guys watching the Defiant Ones on HBO? I've seen Love very it. good stuff about it. I've watched all four episodes now. And it's... it's f- I almost said F. It's fantastic. Really good? It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It so it's a documentary? Yeah, it's a four-part documentary. Uh, it, it chronicles... Basically starts out with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine selling beats to Apple... And then it goes back and retraces both of their histories. And like, doc, it, like a lot of people saw Straight of Compton. And that, I think everybody I know that watched that movie, loved that movie. But it goes into, it kind of goes into, you know, after Dre tells, um, what's his name? Easy. No, 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 no. After Dre tells, uh, Bodyguard, why can't I remember his damn name? Killed the guy oh, with his uh, truck. Oh, uh, sure. Knight. Knight, Knight. After he tells Suge Knight he's going to start Aftermath Records, it kind of picks up from there and talks about starting after. But it goes through the whole. It goes through the whole NWA and what happened with Easy and and Jerry Heller and and all that stuff. But then it get, it goes into how he was really sucking at Aftermath until he found Eminem, and then it just started blowing up. And then he couldn't. Everything he touched turned to gold. Yeah. And and Jimmy Iovine kind of had a very similar path as a producer, uh, and Bruce Springsteen uh, was kind of his guy that he he helped him break it. But it's just fantastic. I mean, it's really. i to check
2: good. it out. I need to check it out.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Kerry. I thought the parallels between their two careers were really really interesting to kind of watch, and they did an awesome job of. They didn't like it, didn't work on a timeline, but the storylines connected. Like, okay, oh, yeah. this is where Dre is, this is where Jimmy is, and it kind of made sense.
1: And it's just in, in the music mogul, I mean, the whole it goes through the whole, you know, CD dying digital age and, and all that stuff. So, and the beats, how it started and how they developed it.
2: And. The uh, I for some just really strange reason, I got into a Scott Starch rabbit hole the other night scott's you know who that is no it doesn't ring a bell he was i guess he's the guy that is like responsible for all of uh the um i guess piano rhythms would that be the best way to put it like the in hip-hop yes and like the all the all these dr dre songs like as soon as you start hearing it you're like holy shit that i did not know that and uh needless to say i think he's a coke addict and lost like 60 million dollars and uh, I don't think he's doing too well, but uh, it, was, it was interesting. Scott non- Starch. Yes, Scott Starch. Is he a white dude or a black dude? He's a white guy, and I, that's what interested me so much. I was like, who is this guy? And why is he that's taking really pictures with all these people? So
1: was he, was he taking his piano stuff from his albums,
2: or was he writing it for... He wrote all of this stuff. Okay. Storch. Scott Storch is his name. I'll show you a picture of him. Be like, yeah, that guy makes music. Probably I would say that guy does the hard drugs. Yes, but you, as soon as you like, you just Google his name. Like he looks like, like that's that guy. Like he is not. He's kind of put together.
1: He's trying to wear fancy clothes and stuff and get his hair. Like, but you can tell
2: that is a heroin addict. He probably has a closet full of FUBU stuff. I would say that. And as a white guy, not very many white people own FUBU. I wouldn't think. <laughs>
1: As a white guy. Did you say as a white guy? Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I just don't find see, that you're a white guy. I don't, see, I don't see too many white guys owning Fubu stuff, which I have seen some rumblings that might be coming back. And uh, I support it. I'll get a shirt.
1: Let me ask you, Josh, what is your most embarrassing fashion statement of your life?
0: Oh, what man. What were you into <laughs> where
1: you just, like, I can't believe I did that?
0: Probably, yeah. I don't think there's any question. I had to think about it for a second. But uh, for those of us who lived through the late 90s, we know the large baggy jeans became a very big thing. Yeah, everybody and wore I am. Yeah, I'm not too proud to say I own uh, several pairs of Genco's that were... <laughs> <laughs> the extra like i mean I, like the pants that you did you weren't even set sa- like it was so cool to sag in the late 90s and i thought it was stupid so i didn't sag but my jeans were so enormous like it kind of looked like i was anyways they just look like like denim drapes was that like, i don't even know how <laughs> to describe it was that
1: that was probably around the era when when uh Metal detectors were being installed in Oklahoma City public schools. (laughs) Like, those probably got, those exact genes probably got outlawed at some point in the Putnam City School District.
0: I'm going to bet you're right. What's funny, you know, like, I'm sure we could all talk about like our most embarrassing thing like that. There's a guy that I associate with Genco's. Like, it's a guy I went to high school with. When I think of a Genco, I'm like, that dude probably had 12 pairs, he loved them and he's now a bartender in Oklahoma City. He's a guy he's he's a guy that I would call a friend. Like I know him, but I think about it and I'm like you wore that crap and that's who you associate. Like that should have been the the clear red flag. Like don't wear that. If if that's who you think of when you think of that kind of clothing, just just don't do that. And I I wasn't smart enough to listen to my uh, much older self. I would say that the jinkos
2: I and I remember like crying because my mom wouldn't go buy them for me. Because <laughs> my older cousins had them. I thought they were awesome. But looking back on it now, I would definitely say that Jinkos are part of the school shooter starter pack.
1: Were those? Were those? Did you have to go to the buckle to get those?
2: The buckle, yes. That was I, the buckle, and uh, I, I remember. I was vividly there remember. Was it someplace called like the
1: King's Court or something like that? Or
2: I don't. I don't know. I I I do remember the buckle though, and I remember exactly where it is in Quell Springs. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in Quell Springs in like 15 years, probably.
1: We had to go to Lawton to go to the Buckle.
2: Yeah?
1: Oh, they had one in, in Lawton? Oh, yeah, at the mall. Really? Although it started out the Buckle Belt, and then they just decided, we're going to get more hip. We're just yeah. going to call ourselves the Buckle.
0: Where is the mall in Lawton? I've been to Lawton at least 40 times. I knew of no mall.
1: Um, I couldn't even tell you how to get there.
0: Okay. Is it by
1: Cameron? It's not by Cameron. Okay. And I went to Cameron for a summer.
2: It's in a shopping center there, isn't it? Is it? Kind it's of a by mall. Like the I mean, it's
1: an indoor mall.
2: It's a real mall. Lawton it's a, has real a real mall. mall. Yeah.
1: It's, it's about like Sooner Mall. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. But it hmm. had, Do they have an auntie-aunt's?
1: I don't think those That's were out qualifies when I was a, a little real kid. Mall. But they had a Toys R Us... Uh, and actually, there was a second toy, toy store that were in malls when I was growing up, and I can't remember the name of it now. That's going to drive me crazy. But there was... Uh, not a Toys R Us. Uh, whatever toy store was in the mall, that was the main... It wasn't Toys R Us. It was a big chain, though. I'm sure it's dead now. But yeah, I mean, it had it had Sears, and I think it had a Dillard's.
2: Okay. I mean, it was, it was legit. Did it have a Montgomery Wards? Yes. Back in the day, yes. <laughs> that was the, that's the oldest place I could think of.
1: Duncan had a Montgomery Wards. Oh, did they really? At the, uh, Duncan has a mall. The uh, God, I, I've killed too many brain cells in my lifetime. Uh, the Stupid Highway. What's the name of the trail? It starts with an H. I can't even remember now. I'm, I'm going to Duncan Hell. But their mall there had a Woolworth and a Montgomery Ward on each side. One side was Woolworth, the other side was Montgomery Wool, Ward.
2: Woolworth? Woolworth, Never heard of that.
1: W O O L. Woolworths <laughs> were like big in New York, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, I've never been in one. If it makes you feel better, I've heard of it, but I've never been in one. Woolworth. Or At least if I have been, I have no memory
2: of it. That's as for, as foreign to me as like a Rite Aid, which I look up Woolworth was able to get. and see if they still exist. It. It comes up, yeah. Is there a Woolworth Oh no? FW Woolworth Company ceased operations in July nineteen
1: ninety seven. Damn. Yeah, because
2: they had stores in Duncan. That's but there there is a story. Montgomery Wards are dead, right? I guess it's on Amazon. Woolworth's online ordering systems have been disrupted and taken offline for the past two days. So yeah, I guess they still do operate. Hmm. All right. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, you know, obviously Monday we'll
1: be back uh, from media day. We'll have another podcast then uh, to talk about all that. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we're going to be asking about. I, I will not. I mean, it's like we said. It's going to be kind of dumb because it's in the star. It's on the field. But like I watched the SEC media days today, and I just wanted to hit myself with a baseball bat repeatedly. I mean. Nick Saban is horrible to have to sit through. And then, like the like here's what sucks about covering Alabama is they're so good. There's really not. It it takes away the 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 type of questions you can ask. Like everybody was asking. The stupid touchdown Alabama dot net guy asked about the right guard. Who is going to be the right guard? That's peak
2: media days.
1: That is, and and we're talking about. At the dais, with the entire room full of national media, you're going to stand up. Of course, they're Touchdown Alabama magazine now. They used to be Touchdown because everybody knows that the the world of, of journalism is going from the internet to yeah. magazines.
2: He's he's going to go ahead. He's going to sit on that and put that in the uh, August issue. I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm just waiting for Touch, for them to change to Touchdown Alabama
2: the app. <laughs> Come out with it. Follow us on app. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Go to the iTunes Store. God, I'd, Google Play. There's, there's some people. I, but I, I mean, might, I think, I think Big Twelve will be much more interesting than SEC Media Day. There's so many new faces to the. I mean, when you, I, it, it'll be different just in that Bob Stoops is not going to be there. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley's. It's going to be interesting with him. Tom Herman's going to be interesting. Will OU
1: players feel free enough to talk more frank? Oh, that'd be interesting. Like Obo today, defending Stephen Parker and Caleb Kelly for not being on the Big Twelve team. Will players feel more free to just say what they want
0: now? The I, the bigger picture, I, I, I'm I'm interested in that. I think they will, Kerry. I think that's going to be. I think you're going to see some more honesty. But we'll you know we'll see. Um, what I what I want to know is Bob Bowlsby be like getting in the middle of a Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman thing, like trying to get them revved up before they get to media day, so that they'll both just say something completely outlandish about the other one. Like try it, because the Big Twelve. Let's face it, the Big 12s only hope is for OU and Texas to become elite elite again, like it was in the two thousands. Like that they've that's got to happen. They need in the next FSU years. Miami level. Idea. Yes, exactly. They they need that to be a big deal everybody in the country to watch, and the coaches to really be pretty honest that they just don't like each other. And I, I think if you made me guess, I would say Herman's more willing to play ball on that front than, than Lincoln. Like, I, I don't feel like Herman would have any shame in throwing a shot across the bow.
1: I think there's a, a chance with Herman because I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it, it is, you can feel like the Texas media as a whole, I don't want to single anybody out, uh, and I'm, and there are some really, you know, fine and talented and professional journalists that cover University of Texas. But like on Twitter as a whole, it it does kind of feel, and has felt, kind of like a a you know a Gladfest. Am I wrong in saying no, that?
2: no? Not at all. I I think that it's so I could pretty see, obvious.
1: I could see one of those Gladfest crews going up to Tom Herman and asking him about beating lincoln riley last year at houston or asking him what did you do to take away you know their run game last Mm -hmm. year and what does that say about lincoln riley's inexperience or something
2: there there will be one question i guarantee you while uh lincoln riley's at the podium uh for the national media portion that that gets brought up about getting beat by Herman about last year. About getting beat by Herman and how that will uh, play into the OU-Texas rivalry. or so It'll be something along those I lines. I think
1: that's a legitimate question,
2: though. No, I think it is. It's, it's just, just, just not the
1: hee-hee-hee,
2: you know, I'm going to get a rise out of... It'll be, on, it'll be depending on who asks the question would be the most interesting part. Yeah. You know, it'd be really funny as if... Didn't uh, Switzer send uh, Tom Osborne tacos during a coach's show one time?
1: I believe that's right. Is that correct? Because they were going
2: to the Sun Bowl or something. If I am Lincoln yep. Riley, I send a steak and water to be delivered while Tom Herman's on the uh, <laughs> on the podium. <laughs> Have somebody dress up in a server's and then leave him a fake check.
0: Carrie, I know you didn't want to call anybody out, but I am going to go ahead and put my odds on uh, Clarence Hill for that role. Yeah, uh, I can see that. I I honestly never noticed the guy until this this spring. And I was like, "Wow, this is a." And I don't know if he loves Texas or hate o- o- hates Oklahoma more. There, there's some middle ground in there somewhere.
1: And I, here's the thing: I uh, on the OU beat, there are a, there we have homers. There's no doubt, but most of the, <laughs> most of them aren't in it for that. Like they're not in it to you know, drive controversy or stir shit up. And it's more, it's more about, you know, the really nuts and bolts deep snapper backup kind of thing that they're after
0: or or they just don't ask questions. Well, and to be fair to him, he's a Cowboys beat guy. So I mean, like if he wants to throw his hat in that ring, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, But you know, there were times this spring when it felt like a concerted effort to get certain messages out of. Boston.
1: Oh yeah, I saw that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was coming from every one of the guys that cover that beat. It was like it was like they were having meetings with the staff or something. And they said, "Hey, let's throw this out there about this," because they would all just all of a sudden be saying the same things. And it was you really noticed it after the Ron Tatum commitment.
2: Yeah. Because that was like the big, I think that they wanted that to be a big, a big splash. And it was hard for any of them to
1: step it back and say, "Well, that wasn't that big of a loss for Texas after that." Because it's funny how that
2: how that turns all of a sudden. Yeah,
1: because they have to, ha- they actually had to admit, yeah, it's not good that they lost that guy. Uh, I and maybe that's because they're afraid of freezing cold takes or something. I don't know.
2: Well, it's probably well, whatever Tom Herman's wife told him to do at Bunko on Wednesdays.
0: <laughs> is that where they're, they're...
2: That's their meeting spot. I've decided that their it's their high school mom's Bunko tournament.
0: <laughs> one of the things that rung to me, and I, I, and I have fought, you know, try, I try not to be a crazy subtweet guy on Twitter, but the one that drove me crazy is you saw all this stuff about, you know, there's been all these references to OU, you know, and their kind of their program and allowing all this stuff to go on. But yeah, when the Reese Leotow thing happens and Texas decides to admit a guy that was dealing drugs in a high school,
1: yeah, to underage nothing.
0: kids, no, 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 nobody said anything. Re- that that's that's a line we're okay with. That that's fine. But this other stuff that that was too much. Like you can't, uh, and that that's when it's like that's why I don't take you seriously when you ran about other stuff. Is because you it, it's more about an agenda than it is like. I care about this particular topic. Well, and that, you know, that and is and I like Reese. Like, I, I don't want that to come out as like a shot on him. But he did what he did. Like, I mean, there's nobody denying what happened there.
1: Well, there were people that thought he was going to serve
0: jail time. Yes. Even like a week out, there were literally mean, a like week his out. attorney. Yeah. Sounded like this could go real bad. And I don't know what changed so dramatically. And it's not that, I okay, I mean, if the kid gets a second chance, I've got no problem with that. Like I said, I, I've dealt with him. He always seemed like a good kid. That's one of the more surprising stories I can remember. But at the same time, don't don't stand on your moral high horse, and then when that comes out, we're just going to act like that story didn't happen.
2: Both of the, the Reese Leotow uh, arrest and the Will Sunderland arrest have both been like, red flags in the last six months, seven months to a year that's like you I, I, I feel like I kinda know these kids growing up and watching them and interviewing them, going up to their schools and stuff, but you just never really know. And I guess that's just more of a blanket statement for recruiting in general. Yeah. And that's oh, what yeah. that's
0: what
1: I mean, that's what scares about a guy like Joe Mixon. Is like you know there's a really dark part of that kid. Yeah. And I, don't, I would never stick my neck out for him. I mean, It'd be hard to. And you wonder, like, is, is that just part of who he is, and is it going to resurface
2: again? be very interesting to see what the uh, attendance is like at his uh, football camp on July 22nd.
1: It's easier to have that conversation about Joe Mixon now that he's not here, now that he can't score touchdowns. I think OU fans are going to find it easier to have that discussion now. Stop being so damn...
2: Defensive about what he did. Oh, there, I, I think there, there's some people that will just never be able to see it through that because of the team that they subscribe to every Saturday. You'll never be able to convince me that that didn't play some part in Bob retiring either. Just, just having to deal sick with of that the whole shit for three years. It's crazy that, I mean, I, I guess you don't really realize it when you're sitting in it and you're kind of covering it every day, but it is crazy to think that that was three years. Yeah. Three years of that almost nonstop every day. Yeah. Something somewhere, somebody saying something. I mean, how many times did Bob Stoop sit at his desk and say, Is this worth it? Because of that kid? Probably quite a bit, but those questions are obviously easier to answer when he rips off an eighty five yard touchdown to win the Big Twelve or
1: By the way, I, I've talked to some people just about you know other things with Bob, because it was just so hard for people to wrap their their minds around it. But Josh, I I I was kind of told that, and I think we all knew this, but that the way things have have changed with recruiting was a really big part of why he didn't want to coach anymore.
0: Kerry, you know, I went back that day after um, I, it was the. It was actually the, the day after he announced, and I was driving home from that camp in Denton uh, that OU did the following day, and I went and um, got online and listened to your sports animal interview you did with Bob, and you guys asked him about you know Bob, do you think you're going to be on Twitter anymore? And he was like, No, I think I'm pretty much done with that. Like, and I it's one of those things that just stood, it just really stuck out to me because like if you ask Lincoln Riley, hey, you're going to retire tomorrow, you think you'd ever tweet again? I bet you money he'd tweet. Like, I, I mean, and it, it's just, it's such a different era and everything's changed so dramatically. But people don't realize the same timeline from Bob Stoops' hiring, actually a longer timeline from Bob Stoops' hiring to when he resigned, it's a shorter period of time between Barry Switzer's resignation and Bob Stoops taking over the program. Like, so that gives you an idea of, of how much things had changed in that amount of time. That was 17 years. It was a entirely different world of recruiting. You know, now when I take a vacation, I have to announce it. Back, you know, 10 years ago, I was just gone in March, and that was just the way that was. No big deal, no harm, no foul. But now, man, it I would have missed, you know, three or four commitments. It, it just doesn't work like that anymore.
1: Bob's last tweet was when oh, OU softball. Won the title. Hadn't tweeted since.
2: Really missed an opportunity to tag Natty's for Patty in that. But <laughs> I guess we'll, I'll I'll talk to him about that uh, next time next, I see him. Next golf tournament. Yeah, next time I see him? him.
1: Well, you know, uh, that's I mean, that's the thing. Like, Monday is going to be the first time that Lincoln Riley publicly represents OU as the head coach in an official capacity. I, <laughs> like he's had a press conference. He's done media. But he's never had an event where he is representing OU as its head coach.
2: I joked about that on the board when he sent out a picture with uh, Jordan Phillips' son. Yeah, Uh, I said it's now official. He's putting pictures with babies. That makes him the official Oklahoma head coach. coach. But it's crazy that he doesn't have like – I wonder if if the higher-ups – and I know they're not worried about him saying something that he's not supposed to. But I wonder if they would have rather him had a kind of a buffering – Sooner caravan at some point, just to, I mean, I, I, in in a way, I would think that's kind of nerve wracking to have to to go up there and do all that. But have you have you
1: know did you okay? This is a very small thing, but it shows you what it's like to not to have a new coach and to not have Bob Stoops who controlled everything, like didn't do anything he didn't want to do. The only things he did, uh, in terms of. He didn't do very much media because he didn't like it. He didn't even let us come to practice very much because he didn't like it. Uh, The recruiting stuff we know he wasn't a fan of, the tweeting, all that stuff. But like when Bob first, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but Bob first in 2000 after they won, I was working for Sooners Illustrated. And the, the owner of Sooners Illustrated or the president of Sooners Illustrated, his big thing was every summer he wanted to have something signed that they could sell to people, Um, like a a magazine. So, like, if I remember, like, I had to go over to Nate Hibble and Trent uh, Smith's house after the Rose Bowl one year because they struck a deal that they would sign, like, 5,000 copies of uh, the Rose Bowl commemorative edition. But after the 2000 season, Bob actually agreed... Uh, Sooners Illustrated bought up like 10,000 Orange Bowl programs that they had left over, and Bob agreed to sign like 5,000 of them, and I don't know what we paid, and probably 20 grand or something, and I used to have some laying around, I've given them out to like plumbers or something when they've come over through the years.
2: (laughs) I'm not going to pay you because... Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, I paid them. Here's a, here's, a, here's a magazine signed by like, Bob when they, Stoops.
1: When they, know, when they were OU fans and they knew who I was, I just wanted to say, hey, here's, you know, I want you to have this. Go ahead because you're a big OU fan. Mm-hmm. You probably like this. And I don't... I I think I've said this before. I don't give a shit about autograph stuff. I just never have. Um, So, I think I have one of those left now that Bob Stoops signed. But that's the thing. Like Bob would do stuff like that when he was new to the job. Like, he would never do that again, I don't think. Nowadays, like, if is. They had won an like last year. Yeah, he wasn't signing a bunch of magazines for, you know, 20 grand. He didn't care. But then he was making probably 900000 a year or something. I don't know what he made in 2000. But before he won it, yeah, he was making like 900000 So, did you notice, in a long uh, roundabout way, did you notice the, the tweet that Lincoln Riley sent out where he was urging fans to buy up these season tickets. I noticed. I did see that. I saw that and he's so it is very lane kiffenish Like he you could tell he doesn't want to do that. Mm. He doesn't want to be there to do that, but they made him. Like they can make him do stuff that they won't be able to make him do if he ever wins a national title.
2: And how much is that though also just him wanting to appease everybody. He doesn't want to like come in and be that guy. That oh yeah. Yeah. It's like I can't get him to do anything. He's being an asshole about everything. Yeah. No, like, he'll do that stuff because, you know, he just got a... He just made $3 million.
1: He just got a head coaching job. If Joe C wants him to jump, he's going to jump.
2: Yeah. (laughs) He'll do everything short of uh, shotgunning a But it is...
1: It is... It does kind of take some of the shine off of... Like, (laughs) it's almost like, you know, if the big tough guy is out with his friends talking shit and all of a sudden his, his wife shows up and he turns into a mouse it's like oh you're not so tough now yeah it's kind of that way with Lincoln like oh, you are kind of you like, gotta do it all you're kind of the head coach you're the first year head coach Bob wouldn't stand for that shit but you know good for you
2: I wonder if uh, yeah I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if there's anything that we can do on Big 12 media days I wonder how he'll if there's anything like
0: different that he'll do I, you you know, other you guys, than just being nice oh, I don't know Sorry, Josh. No, no, you're fine. You guys talking about, you know, stuff that Bob wouldn't do. One of the pictures that blew me away, and I think the Oklahoman pulled it out of their archives from like his first year when they took him out to Frontier City and he was in like the cowboy hat. <laughs> yes. That's the most that amazing. That photo thing. shoot. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But, Carrie, you said something and it kind of made me think. Okay. So Bob didn't really like the recruiting game anymore. Bob didn't really like dealing with the media. I think we all know that. Bob didn't, didn't like dealing with the boosters because who the hell does like dealing with the boosters? It's a bunch of people that don't know what they're talking about telling you what to do. I mean, it, it, it's just not going to be fun. Like, that's, that's not going to be – I don't think I've ever heard a coach be like, man, I love my boosters. You know, at, at least in any common conversation. Um, but so what did Bob like? What did he like about coaching anymore?
1: He liked coaching football. He liked he liked preparing for games. He liked but, teaching people.
0: But yeah, I mean, you think about like as a head coach, how much of that does he get to do in a week?
1: Yeah. I mean, but that was that was Bob. He always he always remained a position coach for that very reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're I mean, but that you when you start thinking about it like that, you're like, okay, I can kind of see what he was doing there. I mean, do you think Lincoln Riley loves sitting
1: there telling fans, "Hey, sooner fans." <laughs> <laughs> no. Come no. sign up for tickets. We've got them. Like, no, he wants to he wants to be an offensive coordinator. He wants to go out there and throw the football around. Have Lincoln Riley be or have Baker Mayfield be his quarterback. Win football games, win championships. I mean, game days. I mean, that's what those guys live for.
0: They you should... heard it here first, OU fans. Carey says that Lincoln Riley will now be throwing the ball at least 80% of the time. They should take a
2: just hard <laughs> hardline approach to this and not do any advertising. Just be like, they're going to be playing. If you want to come, come.
1: Well, you know what was strange. We didn't talk about this, but what was strange about that ticket thing? And Eddie, for us, it's hard. We get we don't get a good feel for this because OU fans travel really well. Yeah. So every time we're in a road game, we see a ton of OU fans there. But to literally have to chop a thousand tickets off of away games across the conference shows you nobody travels. Like it's ridiculous how like this conference. It's just like how many more ways can you just say screw the Big Twelve? Like that's a really big slap in the face. Yeah. That I mean we've been to TCU games where it looks like it's not even going to be half full when kickoff's getting ready to start. It's, but it ends up being a good crowd. But there are a lot of OU fans at TCU games. Lots. i think saying that's with Oklahoma coming in.
2: Yeah, there's OU fans. Obviously, they. I mean, the a very strong program. They're going to travel anywhere. I. I don't think I can ever. I even in uh, South Bend a couple years ago. I remember people saying that they were shocked. Like Notre Dame uh, uh, photographers and stuff were shocked at how many people were up there. Uh, that in Tennessee and Knoxville the last couple of years that they've they were shocked how many OU fans traveled. Yeah. It just OU it, it's fans different. love a big game. Yeah, too, like yeah, they do.
1: Tallahassee.
2: I imagine it'll be like that this Columbus, year. in Columbus will be crazy. There will be a ton of OU fans going, and
1: out. I'm sure OU could be okay with that, knowing that hey, our fans really care about the big games on the road. Like we'll sell out. We don't like they could probably get away with a thousand less fans at you know Manhattan
2: yeah. or so. But I mean, even in Manhattan, I mean, it's stocked full of red. I, I have never seen a stadium. I think it's probably the Kansas game every year. And that Look, might change with how used David Beatty's doing. It used doing. to be
1: going to Waco. Yeah. Now it's turned yeah.
2: into, when you go to Kansas, it's like the old Waco days. I mean, that is a OU home game, more yeah. or less. Shit, there might be more OU students than Kansas students that travel up to the I you right. And it's an easy trip. but No, I mean, but that is that's a horrible sign
1: for this conference. Because... How many of those teams are? I mean, I'll tell you what's going to be interesting is attendance at Baylor games this year.
2: I thought it was kind of interesting that they only had one guy on the All Big Twelve team. I think that's kind of a, a change for the first time, or maybe a, a note in the that you know Baylor is not Baylor anymore. The Art Bryles Baylor, at least.
1: I'll tell you this: uh, OU with Mike Stoops will kill Baylor because he loves playing teams that are going to you know go big put a tight end in yeah. uh, in line tight end you know play action throw the throw you know it's if it's what it's it were we're set, you know it seems like it's going to be Baylor's going to have a real <laughs> they're, they're they're in trouble it's <laughs> i mean i don't know how much you've watched rule when he was at Temple or paid attention to that, Josh? What type of offense he runs?
0: No, I I mean, I did. Like, I, I can think back to some of the, like, games where I watched maybe a quarter or a half. I mean, he's going to be the guy that you hate, Kerry. He, he's going to try to get physical, and he wants to, you know, he'll put eight guys, in the, you know, uh, eight in the box. I mean, he's not afraid to do double tight ends. He's going to do all of that stuff, and I... I'm a huge fan of that in the Big 12 in the right situation. He's not going to have the personnel to overwhelm Oklahoma or Texas or do those sort of things. It, it's just not going to happen.
1: It'll be a lot of three and outs.
0: Yes. Now, at Oklahoma or Texas, that would be like an atom bomb to the conference. They have to have to deal with, they've got better personnel and they're going to manhandle us too because we're light at every position because everybody else runs spread. Like I think that would be Crazy if you had the right guy to do it at OU or Texas. But otherwise, they, that's, why, that's why the spread became so popular because it evens out the fact that only the elite programs have elite offensive and defensive linemen.
1: Can you imagine just putting Paul Thompson at quarterback at Oklahoma right now, just reliving that 2006 season? Because that offensive line would literally kill everyone. Oklahoma's if they were just if they were lining up double tights and just running that that style of offense right now they would win the conference. I believe that.
0: Oh, I do too. I mean, because you're not talking about it's not just about well they were really good, but all of a sudden you've got you know these massive NFL offensive linemen not blocking the guys of 2006 they're blocking 280 pound defensive tackles or you know, 225-pound defensive ends that are just pure pass rushers. Like, let those guys get their hands on those guys. By the third quarter, th- those teams are just going to walk off the field. Not I mean, it's mention, just over.
1: Not to mention, OU could almost put together two lines that are about as good as anybody else's.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, we've talked about it a ton. The the de- I don't think this is the best unit we've seen at OU, but I think this is the best depth, especially when you then throw in the recruiting class that's still coming in, uh, in the eighteen group. I it's it's the best depth I've seen at OU since Bob Stoops arrived. I mean, it, it's it's like Switzer era, talent and depth. I mean, there are a lot of NFL guys that won't start this year.
2: Is that the biggest reason why you can, you know, project OU as a favorite in the Big Twelve this year? Just because, you know. There's so much turnover, even with uh, with Lincoln Riley coming in as his first year. That's When you have a strong offensive line like that, it's hard not to think that there's not going to be A, holes opened and guys blocked for Baker Mayfield.
1: I'll make a prediction for you. If uh, OU wins the Big 12 at the Big 12 championship, Glenn Spencer will be fired at OSU. Ooh. Because... I've said this many times. Two years ago, you could have easily made an argument that he was the best defensive coordinator in the league. Yeah. But the way that they have trailed off at the end of the season the last two years has got to have people pulling their hair out in Stillwater.
2: I mean, I- that defense just collapsed the th- at the, the end of last year. Even the with Vincent Taylor. The healthy. Thing, the thing about Oklahoma State defensively is they have just been... I don't want to say lucky, because when you force so many turnovers like they have... They're opportunistic, yeah. It's been very, very opportunistic, and it just seems like they always have a guy when there's a ball tipped in the air right there. So I don't know if that... I mean, you can't really blame Glenn Spencer for that. I guess you have to credit him for coaching them up and putting them in position, but at the same time, uh, when they haven't been able to create turnovers or force turnovers... It's been a suspect defense. I mean, I, I remember driving were we driving to Morgantown last year when uh TCU just ran up and down the field and just could never get the ball in the end zone, they'd stumble over themselves. Yeah. And that I mean that ended up being an ass kicking anyways, but Go ahead, Josh. I I've rambled on.
0: Oh no, you're fine. Um God, sorry. I got to reading the thread on the board. <laughs> I'm a little sidetracked at the moment. Um,
1: no, we were just talking about if Spencer, if OSU doesn't win it, that Spencer will be the guy that pays. Yeah,
0: for it. you know, I, I I guess I don't I don't I'm torn on it because I do I like Glenn Spencer and I think he's improved that defense. But there there's clearly a goal Oklahoma State has in mind and he's not getting them there. I mean that that defense is not making the jump. And like you said, they've trailed off a couple of years in a row. And I don't know how anyone thinks this defense this year is going to be better. I, I mean, they either. lost almost all of their key pieces. Now, Vincent Taylor, State, Jordan
1: Stearns, I mean, those were their
0: yes. two best players. Vincent Taylor was a really good player. I don't think people recognize that enough. And I, that kind of goes into my, every year OU fans get wound up like, oh, this is the year for Oklahoma State. This is the year where I don't understand it. I do not understand all the OSU's a a dark horse uh playoff team. OSU may lose three games this year. Like pretty easily could lose three games this year. I I like Mason Rudolph, I like James Washington, and then I see an offensive line that couldn't move Oklahoma at all last year, a running back group that doesn't have any difference maker that I've seen. And I I'm supposed to get excited about that in a defense that's gonna have to be rebuilt. Like, I, what I hurts them? I don't understand it.
1: What hurts them is, uh, I think they okay. They're they're two tight ends: uh, Zach Veach and who was the other guy that they had?
0: What was his name? Uh, um,
1: Connor Jarwin or was yeah Jarwin? Blake Jarwin. Uh, Blake, yeah. Jarwin. Blake Jarwin. Uh, so I think they lost both of those guys, didn't they? But uh, that was Blake Jarwin. Yes, that was why they became a good running team because they went to that diamond package with those two in the backfield and that's what opened up their running game. I mean, they, and they got really good with that after it was over. I don't know if they have any big athletes to replace them.
0: Yeah. They lost both of those guys. Uh, Veach Beach definitely graduated last year. So I, yeah, I mean, and, and again, I mean, that's what I'm like. I, and I said, they didn't run the ball particularly well against Oklahoma and Oklahoma wasn't a particularly dominant front. We all expect them to be better in that uh, better up front this year than they were last year, so I, I don't. I mean, I you know I know he's got to go to Stillwater, and that makes it more complicated. But I I just don't understand it, especially when there's been so many times when it seemed like Rudolph was ready to kind of make that leap, and then he faces Oklahoma and just doesn't do anything. That was and the I, I, I don't know at what point you don't kind of jump off that train.
1: Yeah, that was the weirdest game I've ever seen him play last year it was bizarre
0: yeah he's a good player but he's been I mean now the the first two years ago you, you know he was injured you have to acknowledge that but last year I mean everything was there OU was secondary was shaky at best and he did he was awful which was weird because I mean it was
1: like it was raining he can't throw the ball the first game he ever played was at Baylor in the rain, and he was fantastic.
2: Threw it like a madman yeah. down there. It That was... I mean, when, when they sat on... When Oklahoma State sat on the ball with a minute and a half left before the half, could have gone in up by two scores at halftime, oh, you won the game. Yeah. That's when they won the game last year.
1: That was really weird. All right. Well, I think uh, that'll probably do it for this podcast. Uh, guys, I appreciate the time as always. Um... We'll be back next week with a much more meaty podcast, especially as far as the uh, team news goes. Real
2: football. Real
1: football is going to be discussed on Monday by the Sooners in Dallas. So Eddie and I will be down there uh, covering it all for you. Uh, John Shin's going to be joining us, uh, who will be making his last hurrah at Sooner (laughs) Scoop. I know we've all kind of been in and out, but it's kind of a strange deal. John uh, actually got a really good job. He's going to be working... uh, uh, for the Cox outfit, still going to be covering OU. We're, we're we'll remain good friends, uh, but it was a, a an opportunity that he couldn't pass up, and and uh, so he's going to take that job, and we're parting friends as always. But uh, yeah, he'll be down there helping us out with Big Twelve Media Days, but for the last time. So it's back to Eddie and Carrie,
2: crewing it up. Two quick things. Sure. Baseball hires probably going to be announced at some point this week. I. I mean, it's it's happened. They just haven't been announced formally. Clay Van Hook from Rice is going to uh, come in as an assistant, as well as Clay Overcash, who ran the Tulsa Sandlot baseball program, big time, uh, high school outfit out of Tulsa. Uh, he's been a yeah, scout I saw something about them,
1: them needing to find somebody else today. Yeah,
2: he, the the uh, thank you to Clay Overcash ended with Boomer, so I don't think there's any doubt where yeah. he's going. Yeah, and uh, also I think I'm going to try and get out to uh, basketball practice tomorrow before they go out to Australia I'll go over heard there with some uh, good reports out, out of Trey Young uh, sounds like uh, Christian James has changed his body gotten pretty big gonna
1: get a shot to go through the hoop
2: he's gonna need to so uh, they're going to Australia and New Zealand on uh, August 3rd and I've actually heard that uh, Matt Freeman has had a really good summer so uh, well, good we will uh, be checking
0: in on them carry on
1: all right uh, Josh any last words on the recruiting front anything to watch out for?
0: Well, I think probably the, the one thing that I can confirm at this point is that Oklahoma's going to host a uh, linebacker offer, Jacob uh, Jacob Mangum-Farrar, uh, kind of a rangy guy from the Houston area. Uh, he'll come up this weekend, spoke to him a little bit about it yesterday, kind of waiting to really talk with him a little bit more before I go too far with it. But he's, he's very interested, coming up, I believe, with his dad, um, and is... A guy that Oklahoma has taken a shine to, picked up a lot of offers in the spring, and I think is kind of one of those guys that could kind of start the run at linebacker. I don't know that he'll commit this weekend, but I wouldn't rule it out either, just because Oklahoma's pretty clearly kind of his most major offer. So a, uh, a, a decision's at least possible on him this weekend. And now we just wait to
1: see uh, 2019 starts the build, basically.
0: I mean, they've got they have their quarterback, and I, to his credit, Spencer Rattler's been really active on Twitter. So I think that's been a, that's always a good sign when your quarterback is kind of heading up the charge.
1: All right, uh, Josh, thanks a lot. Eddie, thanks a lot. Thanks yep. to everybody for listening. Uh, you can download us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. So uh, we'll get all that information out there for you. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you go and subscribe. To us on either iTunes, uh, Stitcher, whatever your Android uh, device, uh, podcast device may be. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating as well if you uh, get a moment to do that after listening to the show. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to you guys. We'll be back next week after Big 12 Media Days for our next edition of the Unofficial 40.